You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed and embarrassed episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall uncompetitively uh, in a plaintive whimper of a game, losing 90-60 to to the Michigan Wolverines in a game that Michigan jumped out on Indiana early. Indiana looked like they were stuck in the mud from the opening tip, and they never really got unstuck. The Hoosiers could not defend Michigan. Uh, they could really not get anything going consistently on offense. And what you had was a game that had some of us tweeting about the 1994 Minnesota game uh, in the second half. And if you don't know the legend of the 1994 Minnesota game, uh, I would suggest that you go Google that um, or just don't and forget that it happened and try and forget that this game happened because that's what we certainly would like to do. But first, we have to go through a post-game show and talk about this. And someone asked me, what are we going to talk about? What is there to talk about after this game? And it's kind of one of those where there's nothing and kind of everything to talk about. And so that's what we will do on this episode of The Assembly Call. I am your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined by Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips and Will DeWitt, who makes his triumphant return to The Assembly Call tonight. So we got that going for us. Nothing else is going right, but Will is here. Um, So let's start out this show as we always start out with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. I had someone tweet me and say you should be ashamed of yourself if you even have a banner moment uh, on tonight's game. But look, we always have a banner moment and we always strain to find some positive, even in games like this, where you really struggle to find positives. Uh, And really, there were two. One was the, as Andy referred to it, the Grant Galon mixtape that broke out there at the very end of the game. Grant came in and hit two three-pointers. Uh, his own little mini Todd Leary from 1992 impression. Unfortunately, Indiana was down by so much that it didn't really make a difference, but it was nice to see Grant get in there and make a couple of threes on the road. Uh, that should at least suggest something about his ability to make three-pointers uh, in tough environments in the future. Uh, but the real banner moment to me, and again, it's not really much of one, was Robert Johnson, who wasn't great tonight, 14 points, one assist, five rebounds, but did and and had three turnovers too, a few of them that were bad, um, but did have a couple of spurts late in the first half and in the middle of the second half where he kind of just said, screw it, nothing else is happening. I'm going to go be aggressive on offense and had a couple of five, eight-point scoring spurts. Um, and really, that was it. There just wasn't that much else to get excited about tonight. Not many other positives for Indiana tonight. Um but certainly lots of negatives, and we'll break all of those down for you here in just a moment. Uh, But tonight's Banner Moment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All righty, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. 
Andy, we start with you. Your bottoms line brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Um, I'm not sure that any uh, sponsor is going to want to want to have their name attached to anything associated with this game, uh, let alone my own podcast or who's your proud who actually actually paid to do that. So that's unfortunate for them. But I, I think I mean, I, I think it, it was a case where, you know, we've seen these slow starts from IU and we've seen them rebound from that at times. But tonight there was just no there was just no answer. And at no point did it seem like there was a clear defensive game plan. Um as best I could tell, the defensive game plan was about as easy to understand as Jim Calhoun's uh, color commentary during the game. Um, and I, it, it was just inexplicable to come out and play that poorly uh, to me. And, and we talked about the Michigan State win being kind of a program win. Uh, this felt like a program loss and a, a kind of a, a failure from top to bottom in terms of being ready to play uh, and really ready to come out and compete. And it, it's it's scary that that happens at this point in the season. And yeah, there are uh, bad games and we've seen bad games before, but I don't remember a game that I wanted to turn off as much as I wanted to turn this off because there was at, at no point was there really hope of turning it around because the defensive effort never really got better. And you saw them continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. The, the continuous backdoor cuts with no recognition uh, whatsoever defensively were, you know, kind of exhibit a of, of that kind of, behavior and I, I just it, it's it's a real struggle and then you look at James Blackman a guy that we've talked about how how much IU is now relying on the trio of Bryant Blackman and Johnson and and Blackman uh, while certainly some credit goes to Michigan's defense uh, he's got to find a way to get more than just a few shots up and uh, I think in the plus minus I did was minus 37 uh, on the night obviously not a lot of good numbers in, in that regard but you know for him to take three shots tonight uh, and, and four turnovers, just it just can't happen. Um, but it just seemed like IU's offense was post up or uh, isolation, and that was kind of that was kind of it. He couldn't really get going that way, and uh, everything really snowballed from there. And and when you wanted somebody to be able to pull him out of it, nobody was there to do it, and it was uh, it was pretty much a disaster from start to finish. Yeah, it was. Uh, it definitely was. All right, Ryan, over to you. People have been asking for it. Your rant brought to us by thebiglead.com. Um, let me just start off by saying I have I don't know if I've ever had less fun watching Indiana play in in my entire time as an Indiana fan and that goes back a long way um, and and the first thing everybody on Twitter saying is oh the coach didn't have his team ready to play well you know what the coaches deserve a lot of blame for tonight and there was just no coherent plan there was you know <clears throat> there was no uh, follow through. There just felt like there was no consequence for guys playing poorly, uh, except for maybe to get yelled at and get benched for a few minutes, but but no underlying real consequence. But a lot of blame's got to go to the players. I'm sorry. If, if this team is on a three-game win streak and has a chance to jump up a, a notch in the Big Ten with a big road win, and they came out looking like they would have rather been anywhere else on the planet than on the floor at Michigan. I mean, it's not – I don't know. It's just – it's embarrassing that they came out that way, and it's embarrassing that there is nobody on this team willing to hold his teammates accountable. It just felt like everybody was in the same boat. Everybody was sleepwalking through the game. Uh, Juwan Morgan, I know he's rusty, missed a couple games, um, came out and uh, in his first – 
possession or first or second possession down the floor, gets the ball, dribbles it off his leg twice. Then I actually thought he double dribbled because he pinned it to his hip and continued to dribble. Then turned, and, and at that point, he should have been woken up and be like, oh, man, I almost turned the ball over. Then he floated a pass. Then on defense, he was kind of going for a steal and chasing somebody and not defending, left his guy wide open. And, he, and you know, they came to the sideline. Tom Crean called the timeout. And we know he's loath to do that in the middle of play. And he called a timeout and he yelled at Morgan. And Morgan walked over to the sideline, didn't barely jog, got to the sideline, got a guy in his face, you know, Crean in his face saying, wake up. I mean, and, and he's right. None of those guys were ready to play. None of them woke up at all during this game. And and while the only guy in the first half who I thought showed any life was Josh Newkirk, surprisingly. I mean, he was trying to attack, and God bless him. He was doing what he could, had his shot blocked a few times or lost the ball, but he was at least moving and trying to do something. The other guys, it was almost like they realized in the first four minutes, oh, Michigan's going to be tough tonight. Let's just pack it in and leave. I said during the Michigan State game, though I wasn't on the air, I said during the Michigan State game that um, I thought this team found some heart and, and was fighting, was battling, and maybe that's what they found uh, when OG and Obi went, went out against Penn State. That was gone tonight, completely gone. And this team needs somebody in that locker room who isn't a coach, who isn't an authority figure, to stand up and call guys out when they don't play well or call guys out when they're doing the wrong thing or call them out when they're not showing heart when they're not energetic, when they're not ready to play. You're playing for Indiana against Michigan at Michigan. It's a huge game. If you win that, look at the momentum you've got. Four straight wins, a big-time road win against a team that's not bad. and It's not a great team. We made them look like a great team. That's not a great team, but that's a decent win on the road in the Big Ten that you need because you screwed up against Nebraska a few weeks ago. And nobody came out ready to play. They they threw in the towel early and just sleepwalked through the game. And there were spurts where they looked like, okay, we'll play a little bit. But it was, you know, they could they were counting down the minute until they got back on that plane home. And that was embarrassing. And this team needs to take a long, hard look at itself. And somebody needs to step up and be a leader. Cannot disagree with any of that. Over to Will for tonight's stat of the game brought to us by the Bears Brothers. Yeah, you know, I wish I had a more triumphant return here, Jared, but uh, I'm going to do a two stats of the game, maybe three, maybe four. We'll see. I might just spout off all my stats and just kind of head on off because that's the kind of game it was. If you do four stats of the game, that'll be more than James Blackman Jr. took shots, so we, we can't allow that. <clears throat> oh, geez. I'll try to keep it down to three. Then I'm not even going to do the one you mentioned in the chat. But uh, all right, so my it has to be the huge discrepancies in two categories. First, second chance points. It, uh, Michigan had the edge 17 to 5 here. Michigan had eight offensive boards and they scored 17 points off of theirs. And if you think about that, that's more than two points per offensive rebound. That's 2.13 points per offensive rebound. And IU only had one. And then the other one, which is even more alarming, is points off turnovers, where Michigan had a 28 to 4 advantage, which again, it's just if you add, add those up, that's a 45 to 9 difference which is a 36-point deficit, which pretty much that's the ball game right there, guys. So that's why those three are going to have to be my stat of the game. I mean, every stat that you look at is just awful. And here's another one for you. Indiana gave up 1.59 points per possession to Michigan, which I'm fairly certain is worse than what they gave up to Duke last year and what we all pretty much think is one of the worst defensive performances that we've ever seen. It's one of the worst defensive performances statistically in basketball over the last like 40 years or something like that. I mean, it's it's terrible. So and if they beat that tonight, oh, I mean... I'd, 
Well, yeah. there was there was one point tonight where uh, Josh Margolis tweeted this out. He went back and looked, and it was almost. I think by the time it was all said and done, it was almost twenty minutes of game action between times when IU got consecutive stops defensively. So that tells you all you need to know. And and in the second half, some of the shots were contested, but the the ones in the first half were not. And and had they made some of the shots they made, and you know when. Wagner looks like Dirk Nowitzki out there, then okay, fine. He's going to make that shot. But, I, you know, th- there were so many in the first half that were just completely uncontested and looked like nobody had any idea what the scouting report was. Hey, guys, Duncan Robinson only shoots threes or shoots 75% of his shots in three point range. You might want to get a hand up and not take a step back when he's standing out at the three point line. Yeah. No, it's just terrible. Um, I've got another stat that will kind of sum up just how disappointing this was. And by the way, if Tom Crane I don't says, think we need stat I don't think we need stats well, to sum up about this. Yeah, that's not even necessary, man. Let's not waste these people's time. They're, they've that's tuned true. in, they're listening. Let's not waste their uh, evening. Uh, and all I want to say is if Tom Crane says during the postgame press conference that he has to watch the film, I don't want to hear it. You don't need to watch the film after Tom, this one to know Tom, how bad this Tom, was. From a friend, burn the film. Burn it. If you stare at that film, you'll look like a Nazi staring at this at the Ark of the Covenant. It's not going to go well for you, buddy. Your face will melt. <sighs> All right. Well, we're 15 minutes into the show. And we've had a Nazi reference, so that's where this is going. Um, hey, so it took a while this time. I can't help it. All righty. Uh, so real quick, before we get to my totally unwanted and unnecessary stat, I want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek, um, because if after tonight you are willing to go to another sporting event, uh, as you know, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find that best deal for the game or show that you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. They do the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. So they do the work and you save the time and money, which is nice. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off of your first SeatGeek purchase. And here's how you do that. To get your $20 rebate, download the SeatGeek app. It's free. They have one uh, for iOS and for Android. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and then enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Will DeWitt, and we are trying to make sense of the debacle in Ann Arbor tonight as Indiana falls 90-60 to to Michigan uh, in a game that, frankly, didn't even seem that competitive. And you know what the worst thing is uh, about tonight? I mean, there are many Did things bad happen? about tonight. Well, yeah. But I just went back and looked at the game log from 2009, which is Tom Crean's first team at Indiana. That's a team that had freshman Verdell Jones, Devin Dumas, and Malik Story all using 25% or more of possessions. A team that went 6-25 and 25 and only won one Big Ten game. And are, they you only had, to, are you trying to make this worse? What, yeah, what are you doing right they, now? They, they only had one loss worse than this, which was a 31-point loss at Illinois. And other than that, they were more competitive in all of their games than Indiana was tonight. And I think we would all agree that there is plenty more talent on this roster than that roster could even dream of. And I think that goes to Ryan's point about, look, there's plenty that needs to be blamed on the coaches for this one. The plan was bad. Everything was bad. 
But there is, I mean, there's just no excuse for Indiana to be as non-competitive as they were tonight. This just, you know, we very rarely come on here and we'll call out effort or want to or any of those things. But I, I don't know what else to say after a game like tonight because the guys just didn't seem like they wanted to compete. And especially when you juxtapose that with how well they competed against Michigan State, you know, only four days ago. It just really doesn't make sense. Um, so, no, I realize that stat's not going to make anybody feel better, but I think it does put into perspective just how sad and pathetic this effort was. And it's the kind of effort that absolutely is not acceptable. It's not, I mean, an Indiana basketball team should not be playing like this. You're going to lose road games. And sometimes you're going to play poorly, and you might lose by 10 or 15 points, scratching and clawing for every inch that you can get on a night when your shots aren't falling and the other team's shots are, but you find a way to compete. And tonight, this team didn't even do that. Um, and I think that's the most sad, sad element of all. Andy, where do you want to go with this? <laughs> Away? I don't know. What do we, I, I, you know, I, I think it... Uh, you know, again, I mean, we kind of talked about when you look at the combination of, you know, Johnson, Bryant and and Blackman, that those guys have to carry this team and and they need to get a lift off the bench from some guys. And, and really, none of those things happen. I thought Bryant played well uh, in stretches, you know, ended up with 13 points, but had one rebound in a game that IU only had 20, uh, as Ryan pointed out in the chat. Now, granted, it's hard to get rebounds when you're not forcing the other team to miss at any point. But, um, y you know, I. He, you know, Bryant gets 13, Johnson gets 14, Blackman with the four. I, they, they just can't survive uh, with the roster that they currently have and the guys that are healthy right now. They cannot survive one of those three having an off game. And and that's what happened tonight. And I think, uh, you know, IU clearly wanted to establish things in the post with Bryant. I thought really tried to to force the ball to him at times. And, and at times were successful in doing that. And he made some quick moves at times and, um, but it wasn't consistent enough, and and none of it really mattered though, uh, because the defense was so poor. I, I guess that's what I ultimately go back to: the turnovers, not great. The points that that Michigan scored off turnovers, then so be it. But the defense in the half court was so bad that I'm not sure that that mattered. And um, it's kind of the same thing we talked about before. Like we can lament the turnovers, but we can also look back at last year and see that the turnover rate is about what it was this year. Um, this was to me all about the defense, and. Um, sure needed Blackman to score more, but at a certain point, it didn't matter how many points he scored because the defense was so bad. So so to me, that's really what it, it boils down to. Um, all the stats that we talked about with second chance points, which to me is kind of effort related at, at a certain point, um, and the points off turnovers it, is fine, but it was it was ultimately just a complete breakdown defensively that, that to me was at the heart of this. Yeah, if you can't get stops, you can't go on a run. And they needed a serious run after that opening stretch where Michigan was granted, Michigan hit some tough shots. I mean, you know, some contested threes and and some good shots. And and Michigan, to their credit, played well and, and took advantage of everything Indiana gave them. Um, and they shot the lights out. Uh they hit fifty-five, they had eleven threes and shot fifty-five percent, shot sixty-three point three percent from the field, which is unbelievable. Um, but again, they were shooting uncontested jumpers. I mean, you know, for a lot of it. But early on, I thought that Indiana wasn't playing good defensively, but Michigan still hit some shots. That got the momentum rolling. Then they just went unconscious, and Indiana just rolled over. I mean, it just felt like they gave up early. And, you know, I I'm, I'm sorry. Wagner's a nice player, but he's not that good where he should be completely dominating everybody on Indiana's roster. Zach Irvin is decent, but he shouldn't be dominating every player on Indiana's roster. Walton is a solid point guard. He shouldn't be tearing Indiana apart. I mean, that is not, again, 
It's not a great Michigan team. They're decent, and they shot well tonight. But Indiana it should be able to beat. I mean, Indiana hung with Maryland. I'd say Maryland's a better team than, than Michigan right now. Um, and Indiana hung with them on the road and, and played toe-to-toe with them for most of the game. As you said, Jared, you're going to lose on the road. The Maryland loss was acceptable. There, there were chances to win that game. That was a close game. It was actually a really good college basketball game. If you weren't rooting for Indiana, you weren't disappointed. Um, you know, it was a fun game to watch. And they had a couple things they screwed up and lost. This was different. I mean, this was one team playing, very, playing, you know, probably easily to the peak of its ability and one team just not even bothering to get off the bus. And, and that's a problem this far in the season for a team like Indiana to not show up when you've already screwed things up by losing to Fort Wayne, losing to Nebraska, you know, blowing games, uh, you know, blowing a few games, not playing well other times and, and escaping and, you know, like against Penn State. And, and when that's happened a few times, that should be your wake-up call. We shouldn't be on our sixth wake-up call of the season. So, th- again, there's a serious problem here. I mean, it's like it's not even worth breaking down individual players, which we usually do, because – there was nothing there that I liked. Yeah, Grant Galon had a really nice stretch at the end. Cool. Uh, you know, I mean, don't you mock the Hoosier Proud banner moment? Don't hey, you mock know what? The banner moment. Good for Grant. He came we in found and a he, positive. Hey, Grant came in and he played hard. Good for him. Like he was you know, third on the team in scoring in two go. minutes. You know, and good for him. He took advantage, came in and played hard. Um, but really, you're looking at. I thought Freddie McSwain tried to mix it up to the best of his ability for a while and and played hard. But that's not enough. I mean, that's not enough to look at and go, okay, good. They played hard. You should be playing hard every game. That's expected of you. Um, yeah, so, it should yeah. be more than just a couple of guys playing yeah. hard in I mean, spurts. You know, you know but, but I mean, if that's the only thing you're going to praise of guys. Well, that guy played hard. That guy played hard. Well, yeah, you're on a college scholarship to play college basketball. You should be playing hard. There's no question about that. It's about how you play when you're playing hard. And nobody else, did, nobody else bothered to play hard. And – then when they did, they weren't even doing anything positive. So I, I just uh, – that was a second rant, by the way. I apologize uh, to our listeners. The for, whole night is a rant. Yeah. That, that last that clearly last working through the second – I'm clearly working through through some things here, folks. Yeah, there was that, a request last, on Twitter for you to just take the first 20 minutes of the show ranting. I mean, I can do that. I just feel bad for you guys to have to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, the, that last lineup of the second half was the only group in the entire second half that outscored Michigan when they were on the floor. Not one, not one lineup that was out there until the last, the one that played the last two minutes and 26 seconds outscored. No, and you know what? Indiana was down. Indiana was down 15 at the half, and then Michigan came out and won every four minute sequence, maybe until that final one. I, I stopped keeping track after the first four. But that's, yeah. I mean, that just shows you how non competitive this game was because Indiana needed to come out, you know, and try and chip away at the lead. And not only did they not do that, they just let Michigan run away with it in the second half. And, you know, Andy, Ryan, you mentioned that Maryland game. Well, a big difference there is James Blackman Jr. scores 22 points and was really good in that game. And I think the one guy, you know, I mean, a lot of guys need to be singled out, but, you know, James Blackman Jr. can't take only three shots and basically be a total no-show in this game. He had four points and assists, three boards, and four turnovers. That's basically what Devontae Green was doing for the non-conference schedule, you know, when he's just a freshman trying to find his way, and even he wasn't turning it over that much. I mean, James was... After maybe his most magnificent game as a Hoosier, he just against Michigan State, he played perhaps his worst. And I don't I don't know what to do with that. I mean, what if you're Tom Crean right now, what what are you going to do? Because, number one, you know, whatever you're doing, 
isn't working. The guys aren't picking up the defense. There's no consistency happening. Obviously, you're dealing with injuries, and, and we get that, but a lot of teams deal with injuries. You know, there is still enough talent on this team to go compete with a mediocre Michigan team on the road. So, you know, like you said, burn the film. Well, what do you do? You know, what is the accountability for this, especially given that Indiana has a game on Sunday against Northwestern that is really, really important now because they're four and four in the conference and they've got to try and keep their head above water. And Andy will talk about, you know, where they're looking at with NCAA tournament projections right now. But what do you do? Because clearly whatever you did before this one, not only did it not work, I mean, it may have even, you know, worked against what you're trying to do. Yeah, look, I'm just going to field this one. I don't even know. But I um, it, here's the thing. Nothing he did tonight worked. I mean, it, you know, he, he, we've always criticized him using the bench as a weapon and things like that or using using the bench as like a tool to like punish guys. He did that. It didn't get anything off the bench. You know, I mean, it, it was at the point where it was pretty much just like, I mean, he was yelling at guys. He was calling timeouts in the middle of play, which he doesn't usually do. Uh, he usually will wait for a dead ball and call a timeout. He was just whipping the timeouts out and, and yelling at guys and trying to get them, you know, fired up and trying to get them focused. And nothing worked. I mean, it was almost like guys went to the bench and pouted because they were losing. I mean, it, you know, that's the exact opposite reaction you're trying to get when you do that. So, I mean, this was a, a team-wide failure. And, yes, I am including the coaching staff in that. This is a team-wide failure. Whatever happened over the last few days and and tonight, just completely scrap it and never do it again, please, for the sake of us, never do it again. I don't want to have to watch that again. Um, and and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what – I think the only solution to this is internal leadership because when things got screwed up last year, guys in that locker room stepped up. Guys righted the ship. Even on the floor during games, there, there were bad stretches for that team all year. But they had enough – you know, mental toughness to overcome things and find a way to win. And even if they, you know, even their losses other than Duke were competitive and, and were, you know, relatively good games. They had some clunkers, but at least, you know, you didn't question their ability. This is, I mean, there were some guys out there tonight who just didn't even look like they were interested in ever playing basketball again. I mean, and, and I don't want to call out individual players. I really don't. I, I, I think that that's uh, not sort of what we do. But you could pretty much look at the entire roster and say, you know what, guys, do you really want to play basketball? Because you really don't act like it right now. It looks like it's a chore for you to be on the floor and to be playing Michigan at Michigan in a really cool atmosphere, you know, in a really big game in January in the middle of the Big Ten season. It looks like this is there are any you would rather be anywhere else. And, and that's how they played. And you know what, this team needs to find answers and they need to find them internally because the coaching staff is going to continue to, you know, work with its formula. And yeah, sure, some things might change. They might do some things differently, but this team needs to find something. I don't care who it is. Somebody needs to step up and be a leader and there isn't one right now. And I thought we had found some leadership over the last couple of games. Clearly, I was wrong. No. Andy, let's talk NCAA tournament stuff. I believe you had Indiana as a seven seed in your most recent bracket. Is that right? Yep. So, so let me ask you a game like this. I mean, obviously, you know, you lose a road game that hurts. Indiana still needs to make up for one of those, you know, home losses that they have. And Indiana needs to get some wins away from home to bolster the resume. My question, though, is does a loss this bad and a performance this poor, does it count extra? Or at the end of the day, is this just a loss on the road to Michigan? Or is this one where the committee looks at it and says, all right, so here's an Indiana team, things go bad. 
it is, you know, they have shown that they will basically just fold up their tents and walk away from a tough game. You know, does that count extra against them or no? Uh, I, I wouldn't say so. I think the thing that becomes challenging at this point is like you're starting to build a kind of a, a resume within a resume in terms of what you are with your current roster. So when you start thinking about the injuries and you know, Ananobi's not going to be back, um, you're starting to build out like here's what here's who we are without him. And I, I heard Jerry Palm get interviewed. I think it was on, um, I think it might have been on on Kent Sterling's show earlier this week and talked about you know that kind of thing. You know, the injuries might cost you a seed line or two. Uh, and things like that. But you got to figure out, like, you know, show the committee who you are without OG. And I thought, you know, certainly the Michigan State game, uh, w- which after the way Michigan State played against Purdue is maybe more of a, a commentary on Michigan State than it is on IU, um, you know, seemed to suggest, hey, this can still be a competitive team that, that can play well against against good teams. But at the same time, it is kind of a, a one game thing. You know, it, it counts truly as one game and it isn't uh, the end all be all, but if it starts to become a pattern where they they become non competitive, then it certainly starts to to add up. So for now, I think it's one loss um, and doesn't really count extra. But it, again, you're you're establishing what your pattern is with your current roster, and if this kind of performance or even something close to this starts to become a pattern, then I start. I think it it becomes a lot more meaningful at that point. All right, Will. Well, at the risk of sending the show careening off the rails more than it is, let's go to some uh, some press conference quotes and see if there's any any insight from these. Well, you'll be glad to know that I didn't see any on Twitter about regarding he has to watch the film, so you can rest easy. Don't worry so about was, that. I think the quotes now have only been from the post game on the radio, so there's still there's still time. Everybody, That's keep true. your keep your post game bingo Should cards ready. Just wait. Still, it still could be coming. Just post game bad loss bingo would actually maybe that's an idea that we should pursue. To, well, to Brian make these. Brian Tonsoni sent he sent a couple at, out there after the game to like that he was that he was waiting on. I'll I'll have to look and see if I can find him. I threw in the, uh, you know, just didn't didn't come out ready or something like that. So yeah, there's a. Uh, there's definitely a few to, to be there, so we'll uh, we'll see if, what we can check off. But go ahead, Will. Sorry. All right, let's yeah. see what we can check off here. Number one, there's no excuse for the lack of aggressiveness defensively. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sounds, I, mean, that, sounds, I, think we, I think I think that was my familiar. rant tonight. <laughs> sounds, sounds somewhat familiar. All right. Yeah, a little bit. Um, we have the one that it starts with me, and I know that. I mean, that one's a given each and every post game as well. Um, one that I did. Uh. I did like from Crean today was quote every time that we take a couple steps forward when you don't have natural leadership I'm learning you take a step back. Well, and that quote was actually retweeted by our friend Chronic Hoosier who said echoes of 2014 the first coming of the season on the drink and he's basically already dubbed this the second coming of the season on the drink and I tell you sadly this season is feeling a little bit more like that one. I would love anybody wants to admit. I would love to be a liquor salesman in Indiana for this season. Oh God, you'd be making so much money during the basketball season. Tonight, (laughs) you'd be selling out the racks tonight. May I continue? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. And I'll just finish with one uh, from Alex McCarthy. He tweeted out that uh, cream's done. And then fish added, I don't think the coach knew what to say. And I certainly don't know what to say. And that's pretty much how we feel as well here. Just, not a lot to say, but yet, as you said, almost everything to say. 
he had yeah. another one that said our preparation was good to which my response was was it was it really because well, okay i, I was gonna say that i was gonna was say that good. for after the break but what does that even mean really what does that mean that the preparation was good i mean well, I, like i i get i mean you can feel good about your preparation heading into the game and then if your team has no punch no life no juice it doesn't matter how well prepared you are well, but at the end of the day isn't that part of preparation can I well can I step in real quick is I think what he meant by that was we had a couple good days of practice and not like oh well the coaches did everything they could do I don't think that like I know that's how it's gonna be taken because preparation you think like you mean preparing for the game but I, I think he just means look we had a couple good days of practice it wasn't like they were sleepwalking through practice and then we showed up and they played like garbage um, I, I think that's what he meant by that. And it's totally normal to have a good, like, I mean, not normal to please backtrack. Cause I'm going to get crap for that. No, it, what I'm, what I was saying is it's, it's, it happens that you have good practice and don't play like it. Uh, so, I mean, I, I assume that's what he meant, but you know, I mean, who knows, but I'm just, I know people are going to jump all over that and say, well, clearly you weren't prepared. Well, yeah, no, they weren't prepared, but I think what he's trying to say is, well, we practiced well, so I didn't see this coming. Yeah. And then coaches also say that, you know, you play how you practice, but you're right. I mean, every now and then that does happen. You know, you practice well and just inexplicably don't play well. So I don't know. Um, all right. Well, we're going to figure out where to go next. We'll certainly look ahead to the Northwestern game, break down any other lingering issues from this one. First, though, you know, I do have some good news, uh, some exciting news for us and something that we're very, very appreciative about that we want to tell you about. Um, so we're having a fundraising drive this week uh, for the assembly call. It started today. It runs through next Friday. Uh, and our goal is to raise $2,613 in donations between today and next Friday. Now, you may ask why $2,613. Uh, well, that's because it's $1 for every point Calvert Cheney scored during his IU career. He's my favorite Hoosier. He's Andy's favorite Hoosier. Um, so we figured that was appropriate. Plus, that amount combined with the revenue that we generate from sponsors should be enough to ensure basically that we don't have to dip into our personal funds to keep the show and the website humming along uh, as usual for the rest of this season and into the off season. And if there are more games like this, we're definitely going to all need each other uh, as we go through the rest of the season. Um, and so really, you know, what we did and we emailed everybody on our email list about this earlier today is we're just asking you to contribute what you believe our content is worth. Um, we've had donations as small as $3. We've had donations as big as $300. And I don't have the final tally. I'll get it after the game. But we're close to achieving that goal already. I think we had 2,500 and something uh, all contributed just today. Um, and so we just want to offer a sincere heartfelt, huge thank you to everybody um, who cares enough about what we're doing here on the assembly call um, and is generous enough to support us like you do. Uh, we, we literally could not do this show the way that we do it without your support. And so we really, really appreciate it. And we certainly hope that it would be a more joyous uh, game occasion to, to kind of you know say that and, and have that thank you. Um, but regardless of wins, losses, whatever, um, it's so great you know, that, that, that we have you as an audience and we just really appreciate it and just feel really privileged to be able to serve you as we do with IU content. Um, so if you want to submit a one-time donation, uh, if you want to set up a recurring donation to become an ongoing sponsor, all of the options are available at assemblycall.com slash donate. And I will provide an update on our progress, give you the exact number where we're at uh, in tomorrow's post-game email. So that'll hit your inboxes in the morning. 
once again, to see the donation options, go to assemblycall.com slash donate. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Will DeWitt. And we are discussing Indiana's 90 to 60 non-competitive, uh, just totally, completely disappointing loss to Michigan tonight. Um, I mean, let's look forward, Andy. You know, obviously Sunday is a big game. I think we all thought coming in that Indiana needed to get one of these two road games to try and keep the positive momentum going from beating Michigan State, from winning four out of five. I think you lose like this tonight. It is a an immediate impenetrable roadblock for momentum. So the momentum is gone, clearly. But now what Indiana can do is salvage one of these two games, get its head back above water in the Big Ten at five and four, you know, and, and start to get some, you know, a new uh, line of positive momentum going, then getting ready to face Penn State at home in the next game after that. Uh, so in a lot of ways, this game against Northwestern is really, really important. And as everybody knows, Northwestern is getting better. You know, they're threatening to make the NCAA tournament for the first time. Um, they're, they're playing a lot better. Indiana's going to have to play 20, 30 times better than they did tonight to win that game. Um, and that may be an understatement. So what awaits uh, Indiana in this game? And, you know, what do you think of the chances of Indiana finding a way to get that win? Well, it's hard to it's hard to predict an IU victory after what we saw tonight. So, um, you know, we'll see. But it, you know, it, on the on the one hand, it's not really possible to play worse. So, if you think of it that way, then maybe it's not so bad. Um, you know, Northwestern comes in uh, second in the conference. I don't know if this has been updated through tonight's games in uh, defensive efficiency in conference games. So, uh, you know, IU in those couple games back to back against Penn State and uh, Michigan State, they were both ranked number one coming into those, and they performed really well. And did not perform so well uh, against Michigan, who was ranked uh, dead last, I believe, coming into tonight. So maybe, maybe uh, pressure makes diamonds in that case. But um, yeah, they, they've done a really good job at, at limiting three-point shooting, uh, particularly in the league. So that will uh, will certainly be something that we'll want to watch for from IU. That's really what they've done the best. Um, don't force a lot of turnovers. Uh, put people on the line a decent amount. Aren't that great on the on the defensive glass? But they've really just you know limited uh, you know opponent shooting. So. Uh, we'll see if that that continues. And they're kind of middle of the pack on offense, but they've got uh, you know a, a handful of really good players. Bryant McIntosh is playing uh, extremely well. Scotty Lindsay uh, is, is averaging 16 points a game. Vic Law is at 14 points a game. So they've got you know three guys uh, that that average in double figures and kind of the the backcourt and the wing positions. And then they they just kind of throw a bunch of guys at you inside between you know Derek Pardon, Sanjay Lumpkin. Uh, guys like that. So I think they, you know, definitely, definitely present a challenge. They're a team that's coming in with a lot of confidence. They've been playing, uh, have been playing really well. They've won five games in a row, uh, including tonight's game against Nebraska. And I'm not going to tell you that those games have been against the absolute best competition, but, um, you know, they've won four conference road games at this point, And, and there's something to be said for that. And uh, so, so they're definitely going to be excited pushing toward that first NCAA, but it, it's, it's most definitely going to be a challenge. And I think, you know, looking at these, I think you you tweeted this out as well. If you kind of looked at these two games as how does IU get a split, the more winnable of the two games uh, certainly seem like tonight. Um, but uh, that that was clearly not the case. And and just to kind of put the uh, the defensive numbers in perspective, John Gasway, Michigan scored 1.54 points per trip against Indiana, tied for the eighth best game by any offense in major conference play since 2006. So uh, for those who managed to stomach the entire game, which was not easy. Uh, a, a somewhat historically bad performance that you were able to witness. So, you know, that take, take solace in that, everyone. 
History's and, history, man, right? Record-breaking performance. This is now a record, uh, a near-record-breaking team. We can always call them that. And I don't think that IU-Duke game would count for that because I think John's talking about just conference games, but the Indiana-Duke game was right around there at that 1.5 poor points. So I don't know if tonight was more or less, but that basically means that Indiana has turned in two of the worst single-game defensive performances of the last decade plus. I mean, that's... That's just sad. And I don't know how you allow that to happen once in the Duke game. And then it happens again tonight. You know how I mean, here, here's the thing in that first half, Ryan, is Indiana was getting lit up by a team. They were shooting 60 plus percent from three and Indiana tried to go zone like that was the answer was to try and go zone. Okay. I, I mean. I mean, that, that, that's how no, much nothing was working. Yeah, no, I mean, that was what I was going to say is there were no, I mean, what, what else were they going to do? Like, you know, I mean, like it was, you know, they tried a three, two, which is typically better uh, against, you know, shooters. And then it was also like a shifting zone. I don't know if you saw that where like sometimes the post guys would move out to the perimeter if the taller guys were on the perimeter. I mean, it was like, they were trying I was, to. I was questioning whether that's by design or not though. Sometimes well, No, it, yeah, I, I think it was because they were communicating to each other to do it. Um, but it, it was a three-two originally, and that's supposed to help you cut down on on outside shots. So there was actually some kind of thought process that went into it, but it didn't matter. I mean, because the guys just they didn't recover in time. I mean, you saw. Why can't we just get good at one thing? On I defense? have no idea. But that's the thing is that like with you know that was when it was still kind of like okay, look if they go on like a 10-0 run right here, you can maybe make this a game. So let's try something different. Like. Once it was a blowout, then it was like, what? What does it even matter? Like, what? What are we doing? And um, but but that's the thing is it, at that point you're not stopping the dribble penetration. The dribble penetration is leading to wide open threes. I guess go zone and stop penetration, and maybe then just tossing around the perimeter won't get him as good a shot. I mean, again, he was throwing darts at a board at that point. I mean, to give him to give him you know a little bit of credit there, he's doing whatever he can to staunch the bleeding. It didn't work. Um, and so yeah, they got to go back to the drawing board and reexamine everything they're doing defensively uh the offense i mean look they scored you know they shot the ball well in the end you wouldn't think so but they shot the ball well they just turned the ball over too much they weren't playing well in, in general and it just there was no you know you kept waiting for them to be like okay okay they're they're on like you know, they're getting blown out here, but let, let them wake up and at least get some momentum going towards the next game. If anything, it regressed as the game went on, that effort and intensity. And so, you know, I, I just I, – look, if I'm Tom Crean and his team does not respond and there's no leadership, I think about starting some other guys and just putting some other guys out there because this performance this, this performance demands that. I realize those guys just beat Michigan State and, and, and played a tough – Hard-nosed game. I don't care who Michigan State's lost to or anything like that. That was a tough basketball game, and they showed heart, and they battled through, and they fought, and they, you know, they played a good game. Uh, but I don't care. After a game like tonight, if these guys don't bounce back and, and stop with the sad sack, you know, slumped shoulders stuff, then, you know, why even let them play? Just put in the young guys. Let the young guys play. Let them develop some chemistry. I don't know. Do something different because whatever's going on, this team has not learned. And and it's, you know, as he said, two steps forward and then a gigantic step back. Ryan, it's, are you suggesting that that he take a page out of uh, one of your favorite coaches of all time, uh, Mike Krzyzewski's playbook, and not let them wear IU gear and, and bar them from the locker room as apparently uh, Coach K did from apparently his – I don't Ooh, think are we going to get a Coach K rant? I know. Just, Come on. Or, 
Come on, those just throwing, you, I'm just throwing <laughs> matches at the at the at the gas can at this point. For those of you who are new to the show, um, Ryan, me, uh, and I'm just going to refer to myself in the third person here for a second because, well, oh god, we've what, reached a new low. What this else is... are we going to do tonight? Uh, Ryan does not like Coach K. Uh, he 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 thinks he's a very little man, uh, and I'm not talking about size. And um, yeah, no, don't you know? It's like. Maybe, Coach, if you had coached them a little better, they wouldn't be embarrassing your school on a nightly basis. Maybe if you actually punished a punk like Grayson Allen, you wouldn't be embarrassing your school on a nightly basis. Okay, now, now hold on. Because in the beginning of the game, you said there was responsibility on the players, though. So where, Oh, absolutely. You know, There's so, responsibility so, on the players. But he's, so, he's so, uh, by what, doing what that... point is that reasonable to do then? No, no, no. It's, it's not. To, to, to bar them from the locker room and take their emblems off and not let them wear Duke stuff, that's never reasonable. You brought those kids to your school. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's ridiculous. But how do you then, what do you do then to try and get that accountability back and get guys, at least what he is saying is there is a Duke standard. Sure. And by God, we're going to live up to it. Oh, and yeah. If you don't, and oh, what then, have I been you saying don't deserve this stuff. So what is the Indiana standard? Well, what, what, have what I do been we saying? do when it's not? Well, what have I been saying it? all night, though? This is on everybody. Not just the players, not just the coaches. It's just Indiana's fan base loves to go coach only. They love to just blame the coach no matter what. I mean, it's yeah. so I'm I'm point. just pointing out that it's a two way street here. It's everybody. When when they say this is a team, that includes the coaching staff, that includes the players, that includes the support player. It includes everybody. It is a support staff, and it is a support. Sorry, staff. sorry there's a great comment in the in the chat. From never daunted, the fewer people in the world wearing Duke stuff, the better. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that is fair. Maybe maybe Coach K's break from the team has has made him realize that. Um, but no, it's you know so doing that, you're singling out the players and taking no responsibility for yourself. That's the problem. Now I get there's a Duke standard. The team's not playing well. The players aren't playing well. But the coach to point that out and to put that on the players and to make it that it's just about them and not about anybody else and and you know what, maybe you should be doing your job better too. And and I feel that way about our coach right now as well. I, I'm not, you know, so yeah. don't think that I'm not calling Coach Crean out for this. I'm just saying it needs to be balanced. It's everybody. This is a systemic problem with this team, and it needs to get better. And I agree, there is an Indiana standard. It was not met tonight. And it there are several times this year where it has not been met, and it needs to you know, these people, these guys need to elevate it because we know how talented this team is. There's no question this team is loaded with talent. Yogi Farrell, beginning of the year, said this team is more talented than last year. Talent doesn't matter if you don't have leadership and you don't have accountability in the locker room. You can get it. I mean, you know, and I would argue that leadership and accountability in the locker room for a team is even more important than it coming from the coaches because those are the guys you spend your life with. Those are your best friends who you spend all your time with. Those are the guys who it matters if they're judging you or if they're holding you accountable. No, no question. I mean, that that we sound like a broken record because we've said that so often this year, and that's clearly one of the things that has to get better. I mean, Indiana beats Michigan State, and they hold on against Penn State because their leaders stepped up at the end of the game. And tonight, you know, that didn't happen outside of a few small stretches for Robert Johnson and a few flashes of offense from Thomas Bryant. And we said Indiana would go how Robert Thomas and James Blackman Jr. went. And they kind of did tonight and they weren't good and neither was Indiana. And Andy, you know, the other things that need to improve for Indiana moving forward. Number one, you know, it was it was great to see Juwan Morgan back on the court uh, tonight, you know, and great to see him play without getting injured again. I mean, goodness gracious, I hope that guy can stay healthy. But he looked out of sorts. You know, he looked rusty, which is not 
you know, unexpected for a guy coming back after an absence and, you know, who probably is still dealing with a little bit of lingering injuries. He's probably not 100%. So he's got to get better and he has to be himself. And then the freshmen have to play better because Indiana has been getting a, a nice boost from Devontae Green, Curtis Jones, and Deron Davis. And really, outside of one play in the second half where Curtis Jones defended a back cut well and got a steal, and a little two possession stretch in the first half where Deron Davis scored a bucket and had a nice assist on a backdoor cut by James Blackman Jr., you know, the freshmen were really bad tonight. And, 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 and freshmen are going to do that on the road. We get it. But this was just a night where everything went poorly. But I think those two things, given, you know, Indiana's injury issues, those two things have to get better. You know, Juwan has to become Juwan. The freshmen have to play better. It needs to start on Sunday. Yeah, I, I really thought Morgan just, yeah, he didn't really look like himself. You know, Ryan mentioned that, you know, one of the plays early after he got in, I mean, he did get a roll on that one, you know, three-point shot that was a, you know, kind of a desperation heave. But other than that, I, I you know, he just didn't, uh, and, and who knows how much he's been practicing and things like that. He just looked out of sorts and, and he didn't play the last 16 minutes of the game, which is a good thing in my, in my eyes. I mean, there was no reason to have him out there risk further injury. Um, you know, let him, let him get the rest and come back. But they, they really do need a lot from him. And that was magnificent. You know, we, we talk about, you know, they, they managed to beat Michigan State without him. Well, that was because a lot of guys stepped up off the bench, and you, you just didn't see that tonight. And, and McRoberts started the game, so, you know, we kind of lump him in with bench players. But, um, you know, short of that one block he had at the beginning, you know, he really found himself out of position defensively at times, uh, as did everyone. And, uh, and and so I think he struggled a bit there. And then the freshman, as you said, Devontae Green comes in, they take a timeout, comes out, has no idea what, you know, time left on the shot clock, and, and they get a shot clock violation. Uh, had a couple other possessions where he really, I think they ended up turning the ball over. He came really close to turning it over, and then it was really a you know kind of a, an errant Blackman pass that turned out to be the turnover. He got taken out right away. Uh, after that, you know, Curtis Jones had a <clears throat> you know a pass through the through the lane where just you know no awareness of where the defender is. And yeah, they definitely definitely played like freshmen. Even the shot Devontae Green hit was a a three in transition that was probably not a great shot in the in the general flow of things, but it happened to go in and. Um, I thought Davis and Bryant did okay at times when they played together. Um, uh, but I think also, you know, playing a team like Michigan really exposed their flaws, uh, defensively and exposed, I use, you know, lack of depth up front because, you know, both Wagner and, uh, and Wilson, you know, can step out and, and make shots as, as everyone did on Michigan tonight, but, um, can also put the ball on the floor. And, and that was a really tough spot for Bryant to be in though. There really wasn't a clear guy that he could guard. Uh, and then if you if you were playing McRoberts as the uh, you know as the other forward, he really struggled from a size perspective against those guys, and and it really kind of magnified some of those issues. And, and when they went to the three two zone, a lot of times it was you know playing Davis and Bryant along the baseline, which uh, they've struggled to do in the two three because one of them has to you know kind of cover the wing, and that doesn't tend to go very well. So um, it was definitely a, an odd game from a matchup perspective with those guys and. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to get more. Certainly, in a thirty-point game, it's it's difficult to say that the margin for error is small. Uh, obviously, the margin for error is quite wide, but um, I think you see what you know how those things compound on one another when you don't get one of those big three guys to play well and you don't get contributions off the bench, even just from a hustle play standpoint, not even necessarily from a scoring standpoint. Yep. All right, well, coming up on the assembly call, uh, we will get to our last call, give you our final thoughts uh, on a pretty demoralizing night to be an IU fan. Uh, and our last call is brought to you by our friends at Yogi's Bar and Grill in Bloomington. 
And in case you have not heard, Yogi's is offering a food discount to Assembly Call listeners during IU games, both home and on the road. So any IU game, uh, head in there to Yogi's, uh, tell them that the guys from Assembly Call sent you and you will get 10% off your food. Uh, it has to be during the game, but again, any game will work. Uh, and then stick around after, have a drink, and catch the Assembly Call live right there at the bar. Uh, they're playing it live, which is a really cool thing for us and hopefully a cool thing for you uh, if you get a chance to watch a game there. Uh, and if you do, uh, tweet us a picture. Uh, let us know that you're watching it at Yogi's. We'd love to know. Uh, again, that's 10% off of your food at Yogi's during IU games. Just tell them the Assembly Call sent you. All righty, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show wrapping up here as Indiana Falls 90 to 60 in Ann Arbor tonight. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Will DeWitt. Uh, and guys, unless there are any objections, I think we can just get right to last call. Uh, I don't know that there's really anything else to say about this game. It was awful pretty much all the way around. No, thank um, the Lord we're done. Yeah, I mean, pr pretty much, you know, and. So let's let's get to last call. Let's try and sum this up with some final thoughts. And uh, Will, we will go to you first. I appreciate it, Jared. Yeah, you know, for this game, I mean, to sum it up, I mean, everything was just awful. The team played with no awareness, no effort, no urgency, just a really a lackluster effort all the way around. I mean, really, I had a hard time doing much of anything. It was just an embarrassing game to uh, watch and be a part of. And really, the more I sit back and the more I think about it, the more it upsets me that this team doesn't get upset by the fact like they just seemed like sheepish out there after they went down early on in this game, didn't have much fight to come back, especially this, uh, another example to be to start the second half. They had a chance to, you know, kind of make the game manageable. Didn't really do it. And really, you know, it seems like uh, us four here uh, care more than they do, at least tonight. I mean, other nights they'd show it, but tonight it just seems like they didn't care. or They didn't have the will, the inner will to the fight to go ahead and try to persevere and I hope that changed. And I know that comes with accountability and leadership, but someone needs to step up. Um, but again, we're getting to the point of the season where it makes you wonder if anybody will step up. So that's where I'm going to leave it. Very nice. Andy, over to you. Last call. Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing we touched on this a little bit, what, what bothered me as much as anything was as bad as they played for but really the entire game, but you know, in the first half they had, they'd played pretty poorly. They'd gotten to a point where they were maybe within 12 or so, um, you know, couldn't get it. I think it ended up being 15 at the half, but it, it was one of those where it was like kind of everything had gone wrong. And if they had been able to come out and really put some game pressure on Michigan early in the second half, who knows what could have happened? I mean, if, if you watch, if anybody watched the game before that, um, Xavier and Cincinnati played and, and Trevon Blewett just went nuts in the first half scored 26 points for Xavier couldn't miss but Cincinnati managed to hang around enough so that hey when the shots start to start not to fall and you play a little bit tougher you can get back in the game and it kind of felt like if if IU could do enough they could find their way you know in in a competitive game at least put a little bit of pressure on Michigan they weren't able to do and they came out at the beginning of the second half and just played terribly uh, and, and almost right away, let Michigan get right back into the same groove that they were in uh, offensively. And I think that's what bothered me as much as anything was here was a chance that you almost couldn't play worse than you did um, until the second half when you actually did play worse than you did. Um, but it, it just felt like there was an opportunity there where if they really buckled down, uh, played with some intensity, played with some some passion they could have got back in it and they, and they kind of let that opportunity go by the wayside and the game got away from him so quickly that at that point it was just waiting for the final buzzer. 
both from a, a player's and a fan standpoint, it felt like. And I think that was uh, pretty disheartening to, to be at that point at this at this stage of the season when you're playing a team that hasn't been good defensively you should be able to score on uh and really just didn't even give yourself a chance uh to win what what by all accounts was a winnable game uh going in and i think that was pretty troubling and you know at the risk of sounding like a broken record it's going to be how they respond to this but um i think anybody uh, would be reasonable to be skeptical after what we've seen tonight that they're really going to be able to to do that in a positive way. Uh, and who knows, maybe they come back and play well, but I think everybody's going to be pretty guarded uh, with any optimism, no matter what happens uh, on Sunday as we move forward. And this was uh, this was hopefully the low point, but it was uh, it was one of the one of the worst games I can recall in recent years and, and maybe uh, the worst one outside of, I guess, the Duke game since we've been doing the show. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, now we interrupt Ryan's rampant political retweeting for his last call. Um, <laughs> At least we didn't go down the politics road on this. That could have gotten, that my head, gotten worse. My, my head might have exploded. So this, um, that might be the second banner moment. Yeah, would have been great for ratings, into that. It would have been great for ratings, but guys, the show would have just fallen off a cliff. Um, yeah. Look, tonight was unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. Uh, from every level, from every person involved with this team, Everybody needs to go home, get some sleep, and come back tomorrow and figure out what is wrong. Um, I'm tempted to reexamine my life after watching that game tonight. I mean, that's how bad it was. Um, I want to fire my old high school coach, and he had nothing to do with it. Um, so I, I think it's I, I think it's a situation where this team really needs a reset and really needs somebody to step up and be a leader. I can beat that. I'm going to be beating that drum until the end of the season if it doesn't happen. Somebody has to hold his teammates accountable. I don't care if it's a freshman. I don't care if it's Colin Hartman who's not playing. I don't care if it's Derek Elston. Uh, but it needs to be somebody uh, to just step up and hold these guys accountable and to make sure they're acting right and playing right and playing smart. And you got none of that tonight. And, and that's embarrassing this far into the season uh, for, for this to happen this far into the season, especially coming off a big win like that, that should pr- pr- a win against Michigan state should propel you not hold you back. And, and clearly they, they just regressed uh, so much tonight and it was embarrassing, man, to be your high school coach. What do you think that experience was like, Andy? He was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. It's, it's so it sounds like about what you think it would be like. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, you'd be shocked to know we didn't see eye to eye on some things. It's uh, yeah, I, I you strike me as a, you strike stunning. me as a Michael Lewis type. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> uh, really, I'm just stalling um, because I I, I I don't know what I want to say for last call. You know, I think Ryan summed it up when he said this is unacceptable. I remember writing the post game email for the Duke game last year, and that was the subject line of that email. This is unacceptable. Uh, and that's how I feel right now. It is. There's too much talent. There's too much ability. Heck, we just saw it the game before. It's not like you know this team has just been steadily declining. They'd won four out of five, and and to come out and no show like this, you know, really suggests you know that something may be rotten at the core of this team. And I hope not. And I hope that they come out Sunday and play better and put this behind them. Uh, and I certainly haven't heard about anything that suggests that. All you hear is how much these guys get along. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe they get along too much. I don't know. You know, we're sitting here with a lot more questions than we have answers. 
uh, which is which is okay for four guys on a post game show to have more questions than answers. The problem becomes when it looks like the guys on the court and the coaches on the sidelines have more questions than answers. And I think that's the most disappointing part about tonight is it looked like a program with a lot more questions than it had answers. Uh, but unfortunately, this team has put themselves in a position where they need a lot of answers and a lot of positive answers and fast to get themselves from behind the eight ball in both the Big Ten uh, and from a bubble perspective. And it's got to happen fast. So hopefully that happens on Sunday. Uh, you know, I, I always try as a fan, um, really with anything, you know, to not judge a person, a team, anything by their absolute best and their absolute worst. You know, because a lot of times that can be an outlier. And so I'm going to chalk this up to being Indiana's worst and really try not to judge this team by their worst. But what's sad, what's unfortunate is that tonight did lower the floor for what this team is capable of. You know, we thought performances like the Fort Wayne game uh, and, and some of the other performances we've seen from Indiana, the home game against Nebraska, you know, we thought those were the floor for this team. And they went out tonight and showed us that they have another depth that they can sink to. And of all the things that are disappointing about tonight, that is probably the most disappointing. And so now what this Indiana team needs to do is balance this out by showing us that they're capable of reaching another high that we didn't think that they could. And I thought, you know, they did that against Michigan State without OG. Uh, and what we have to see now is if that was just a team riding a wave of emotion at home, uh, you know, a, a wave of momentum from James Blackman Jr. shot, a wave of camaraderie and togetherness from losing OG that all coalesced in that one performance against a, a mediocre Michigan State team, or if there was something there that can actually be built on. It certainly wasn't tonight. Tonight stopped that momentum dead in its tracks. But all Indiana can do now is look forward to the next game, try and use that to build some momentum as a stepping stone toward, you know, the rest of this season because it can go off the rails really quick or it can get back on track and this Indiana team can battle back, keep its head above water in the Big Ten, uh, you know, and fight for an NCAA tournament bid. But they're not even going to come close to that if they play like they did tonight. Uh, I'm going to hope that this was a 40-minute aberration by a good team, certainly not a great team, but a good team that just played awful. Uh, but time will tell. We'll see how this team plays. Um, all we can do is stay hopeful, stay positive, keep supporting this team and showing up for all the games. Uh, and hopefully the next time out, they show up too. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the Assembly Call. And again, thank you to everybody uh, for your generous support uh, with all of your donations. I can't express enough how much it means to us and how much it makes us enthusiastic to come on here, even after a 30 point drubbing like this uh, and commiserate with you and, you know, at least share kind of in our misery together. Uh, that's what we do here on the Assembly Call. And hopefully the next time we meet up on Sunday, it's to celebrate a big road victory for Indiana. So we will be here Sunday after IU Northwestern. Enjoy the next couple of days. We'll talk to you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.